So the readings this morning are taken from Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, and Mark 5, verses 1 to 8. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And Mark, they went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Good morning. morning, My name is James. For those that don't know me, um, I've been at St. Mary's for about 20 years and it's been a real blessing in our family's life. It's uh, really nice to be able to get up here and speak this morning. And I've been given the gift of speaking on love. (laughs) Um, Jesus' disciple John, called the beloved disciple, the story is told that amongst the early believers, John was asked to go and speak to them. And when he went along, they were thinking, what will he speak about? And he got up and he spoke, and he spoke about love. And they thought, that was great. And um, we'll ask him back. And they asked him back, and John came again to those believers. And they thought to themselves, wonder what he'll speak on this time. Last time he spoke on love. And he got up and he spoke on love. And um, they thought, well, that's interesting. Um, But didn't he speak on love last time? And um, they invite John back. And you probably know the story now. Um, They thought, well, what's he going to speak on? The first time he spoke on love, the second time he spoke on love, surely he will find another topic to speak on this morning. And John got up and spoke on love. And the rumor goes that every time John got an opportunity to speak to a crowd of believers, he spoke about love because he considered that to be the most important thing that he could speak about. So, as Andy's already indicated, as we approach the coronation of King Charles, um, we join with other believers um, in the Church of England, and we look at the qualities that the Spirit brings in believers' lives. So, what qualities does the Spirit bring when it touches our life? And in Galatians, we read, there is one fruit, but that fruit has many flavors, nine flavors. And the first of those flavors that we're going to look at is the flavor of love. That's the starting place. And in the original Greek, we have the word agape. So we have agape love. And um, I'm going to define Christian love this morning, or God's love this morning, by looking at uh, Jesus' acts of love. Because what we see when we look at Jesus' life is that love is defined by an action. Love is a doing thing. It's not a 
feeling, it's not a description, um, it's not something you can point at, it's an, it's an action, it's something that's going to involve activity. And um, I don't normally use alliterations, but this morning it's going to be different in that sense. And so all of my um, points will begin with the letter D. And if I could have the first slide, please. Um, some people are easier to love than others. And some people are almost impossible to love. Um, in Mark 5, we meet a man who lives in isolation because his life is so broken and so disturbed. The Bible account tells us that he's a man with no name. Perhaps he has no name because no one wants to admit to knowing him. Perhaps he has no name because nobody cares about him. Perhaps he's lived in isolation for so long that actually people struggle to remember his name. So people referred to him in terms of his brokenness. And actually that's not uncommon because when we have brokenness in our lives, sometimes people refer to us by our brokenness. He, he is a man who lives among the dead. That can't be a healthy thing, but that would be one of the ways to describe him. He's a man who is harmful to himself and harmful to others. He's a man who is chained up. He, he is a man with great strength because we know that he was able to break the chains. He is a man who cries out and scares people when he cries out. He's a man whose life has become a home to the demonic. That might have been some of the ways in which this man was described. A man whose life appears to be a definition of the dark and destructive things that can be present in somebody's life. He is a man that might have not experienced love in the form of a kind word or in the terms of a gentle touch for years and years and years. In Mark, we are told that Jesus goes out of his way. We're told that this man had been isolated from his community, from society. It wasn't somebody that Jesus was going to come across on the road. If Jesus was going to encounter, if Jesus was going to meet with a man that nobody wanted to meet, then Jesus was going to have to go out of his way. And that's what we read in, in Mark's Gospel. He went out of his way. The, the man that was almost impossible in hu to, 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 to be with in human terms was a man that Jesus wanted to meet. And Jesus gives him two gifts. The first gift that Jesus gives to this man is time. He gives this man his time. And the second gift, the quality of love that Jesus brings, is enough to completely transform this man's life. When we get to the end of the story, we see this man sitting calmly. We see this man dressed 
so he can fit in, so he can enjoy being with other people. He's got the gift of the ability to be rational. So here we have an example where something, uh, Jesus is able to transform um, a man who's described in those broken terms in a way that he is a, becomes a man that is capable of giving and receiving love. Jesus loves the difficult. Get to the next slide, please. Jesus loves the different. The next story that helps us to understand the agape love of Jesus involves someone who is different. And if you look in John's Gospel, chapter 4, you'll see this story. This person also has no name. In the story, she's simply referred to as the Samaritan woman. She was different because she belonged to a different people group, an unpopular people group, the Samaritans, very unpopular with the Jews. They were unpopular with the Jews because they weren't pure. They were a mixed race. They weren't popular with the Jews because some Jews during the Babylonian exile had avoided exile by going and marrying and corrupting themselves by being part of this Samaritan group. And the Jews were slow to forget that. And this woman was not just a foreigner amongst Jews, but she was isolated amongst the Samaritan community because, through her prom promiscuity and her moral weakness, she had contributed to family breakups. She was the center of a lot of damage within her community. She was also different because, as a, as a woman, she was treated as a second-class citizen. Hard to believe, isn't it? That because of her gender, she was treated differently. Can't believe that, can we? We can't believe that because she is a woman, and not a man, that she couldn't take place in discussions on theology. We can't believe that because she was a woman and not a man, we didn't have to listen to what she had to say because it wouldn't be worthwhile. We can't believe that because she was a woman and not a man, that she couldn't take that role and that responsibility. We certainly couldn't believe that 2,000 years later, surely. Um, but she was boxed in because of her gender. She was boxed in. She was different gender. And um, she was also different because of her religious beliefs. And I don't know how comfortable or uncomfortable you feel around people who've got different beliefs from your own. I know many Christians who've got different beliefs to, to mine. But there are people of different faiths who've got very different and radically different beliefs to the ones I hold. And sometimes it can feel uncomfortable to be amongst the different. So um, this is a, a woman that we see who is very different. And as we read our Bible, we read that Jesus goes out of his way. Jesus goes out of his way in order to have an encounter with the woman who is different. Now, Jesus is wise, and he knows that his disciples are full of prejudice and cultural perceptions, and that if he takes his disciples along to meet with this woman, 
then they'll only interrupt his conversation and, and fill the conversation with these prejudices. So he finds a way of ditching his disciples. This has to be a meeting on his own. Um, because Jesus wants to treat this woman in a way that she may never have been treated in the whole of her life. He starts off with treating her with dignity and respect. This is going to be an encounter of dignity and respect. Jesus is going to have a meaningful conversation with her about how to live life in the spirit. A woman, a woman of a person of a different gender is worth having a conversation with about a life in the spirit and Jesus is going to do that. Jesus is going to give her a gift of prophetic insight. He's going to show that God can see some of the poor choices she'd made in the past. And by bringing her that insight, Jesus' heart is that she will be able to see and make better choices in the future. That's a beautiful gift that he gives her. Jesus discusses her belief, her theology. You want to look in the Bible and see where Jesus has theological discussions. Does he sit down? Well, he does sit down with the Pharisees and have a discussion with them. But he sits down with this woman and spends time with this woman talking about belief. That's the nature of the conversation. And he opens her eyes to God's truth. And by opening this woman's eyes to God's truth, she becomes somebody who can gift the community, the community that she's disrupted, the community that she's become on the edge of, she can gift them with the opportunity to get closer to God. The gift that, Je that Jesus' Jesus's love enables the woman who was different in so many ways to love God and be a source of love to those she lived amongst. So, the next slide, please. Love for the distant. Um, amongst the stories that Jesus told, it's a story of father and two sons. And this is uh, one of my favorite stories, and I'm sure if you've heard me speak before, you'll have heard me mention this. Um, and there was a period in my life in which I felt that God was asking me to look at this story every day as my Bible reading and ask for new truth, fresh insight. Um, and I did that for, for 10 months. And so it's natural, isn't it, that I'd want to share um, from this story, given the opportunity. It's a made-up story. It's a story which Jesus told to help people to understand what it was like to live with a loving father, Father God. And the two sons, like the other people that we've looked at, are people who don't have names. One's that they are described in terms of their ages, not their names. One's older, one's younger. And the older one decides to make a choice to live with his father. And the younger one decides that he wants to live life on the edge. I don't know whether there's parents bringing their children up and their children have got to the stage in their lives where they want to live differently. Um, they want to make different choices. They want to be distant 
from us at times, and they want to live life on the edge. And this young son wanted to live life on the edge. It's a story about a, a, a son who becomes very distant from his father, to the point that his, um, he, he can't physically see his father anymore, but the influence that his father had in his life has diminished and been taken away. So he's different, not just in terms, distant, not just in terms of geography, but distant in terms of um, the, the values and principles that he's going to live by and the choices he's going to make. Um, and that must have been very painful for the father. I have a, a boy who's 36 years old, and one of my favourite things that happens every now and then is when my son tells me about a choice he's made in his life that is value-based. I just love it when my son Reese tells me a story like that. And I can imagine how the father in this story would have felt great disappointment when his son wanted to live so differently to his father, so distantly from his father. And, and what we see in the story is through unrestrained poor choices, uh, the distant son's life falls to an all-time low. And with nothing else to lose, the son decides to return home, offering himself as a servant to his father. And it says in the Bible that when the son is a, a long way off, on the distant horizon, that the, the father sees him. And many of us think this is the best part of the story. Because when the father sees the distant son, he runs to the son because he wants to hug him and kiss him and gift him and reinstate him as a beloved son. And, um, and that's a great part of the story without dad. But this morning I want us to focus on the unspoken part of the story. The part of the story where the father doesn't know how far the child has gone away. The part of the story where the father doesn't know how offensive and how uncentered the son's decisions have become. The part of the story where the father doesn't know whether the son will come home again. The part of the story where the father doesn't know if the son is still alive. Because I think that's implied in the story that Jesus told. And I think it's the unsaid part of the story that speaks most about love at a distance. Let me explain. For the father to spot the son on the distant horizon has the implication that every hour of every day, in every direction, the father was looking out for his son. It tells us something about the father when every hour of every day, in every direction, the father is looking for the son. The father is hopeful. The father is loving. The father is ready to forgive, ready to welcome home. And it is the gift of love that enables the son, who in so many ways has become distant, 
to return home, not as a servant, but as a son. Could I have the next slide, please? Love for the disconnected. Have you ever found yourself being unable to communicate? Maybe the person you want to share with won't listen to you or, or even give, give you the time to make your views known without disruption. Maybe there are people who put you down and disparage your thoughts and feelings when you try and communicate them. Maybe you just can't find a way to express yourself, express how you feel. Perhaps to you, your feelings are confusing and complex and uncertain. Um, and if you try and communicate them, it's just going to see, seem jumbled. And communication is difficult. And not being able to communicate can be very challenging and very difficult. What, what in, if in addition to that, Um, in addition to not being able to communicate, what if in addition to that, those that you live amongst can't communicate with you? They, they can't tell you their thoughts and their feelings and what's on their heart. This person would be very isolated, would have a very isolated existence, and they could be described as disconnected. In Mark 7, we read about Jesus walking from Tyre to the Sea of Galilee when he meets a man brought along by others who is deaf and mute, a man who had lived a disconnected life, a man whose life had been blocked, blocked from knowing and being known by others, a man whose thoughts and emotions had mostly been locked up. And what does Jesus do? Well, he does something which is very odd, and I'm not going to try and explain it all to you this morning. But he puts his fingers in the man's ears, and he puts his spit on the man, man's tongue, and then he looks up to heaven and calls out, Ephatha! Ephatha! And at that moment, that word means opened, be open. And at that moment, the sight and uh, the hearing return to this man's life. Some of us might remember how um, a deaf actress called Rose, um, Rose Ailing Ellis, um, she sh she showed, Rose showed us how she coped with life as a deaf person through her experience as a contestant on Strictly Come Dancing. And people were amazed that someone who couldn't hear music, someone who couldn't hear music, was able to express herself so beautifully through dance. And perhaps one of the most moving moments in that show was when we were invited into Rosie's world and uh, we watched her dance in silence. We couldn't hear the music, but we could still see the beauty of her dance. Part of our humanity is about hearing and being heard. Part of our humanity is about understanding and being understood. Indeed, our higher calling is to, is to hear and be heard by God, 
to understand and to un and to be understanding of God. Um, and the disconnected um, find that difficult. But this person, by that unblocking, was reconnected and able to express love once more. Go to the next slide, please. The Bible tells us clearly and plainly that Jesus is God. And the Bible tells us clearly and plainly that God is love. That's his very essence. You know, if you've got a tree and you cut the base of a tree, you'll find wood. And if you go further up the trunk of the tree and you cut it, you'll find wood. And if you find a branch and you cut it, you'll find wood. And if you get a twig off the branch and you snap it, you'll find wood. Because the essence of the tree is wood. And the essence of God is, is love. And the stories we've looked at this morning illustrate the length that Jesus, or the length that God, goes to to demonstrate his love for those whose lives are difficult, those whose lives are different, those whose lives are, are distant, or those whose lives are disconnected. And the greatest promise of Christianity is that God's love extends beyond the end of our life, beyond death. Um, words from Revelation are a huge comfort to believers. And in Revelation 21, we read, And I heard a loud voice. When you read your Bibles, you need to read them really carefully. It doesn't say, and I heard a voice. Why does God want us to know that it was a loud voice? Do you know, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and thought, I'm not sure what they said. I couldn't quite catch it. And God is saying here, I want you to catch this. I want you to understand this. I'm going to speak with a loud voice when I say this truth, because this truth is really, really important. And the loud voice from the throne of heaven said, look, the dwelling of God is with men, among people, and he will dwell with them. God's dwelling place, God's home is amongst us. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. What did God mean when he said he was making it new? Did he mean he was making it better? Did he mean he was making it more complete? Did he mean he was making it more perfect? Did he make it mean he was making it the way he always intended for there to be no separation between himself and his people? And then he ends with, write down these words, for they are trustworthy and true. And the pathway that God lays out for eternal life passes through the death of his son. It is Jesus' love that provides access to eternal love through belief. And all the stories um, we've looked at this morning involve nameless people. People who weren't sure whether their lives mattered. People who weren't sure whether they counted or not. A number of people here this morning are, are getting old like myself. And you know that when you get old, your, your views matter less. 
and you feel that you matter less. So we know what it's like to, to be diminished in the terms of counting. People who, who, who felt unable to connect with that agape love. And this morning there may be some of us who feel we're, we're amongst the nameless. Um, some of us who feel difficult. I can be difficult. Some of us who feel different. I know ways in which I'm different. Not always good ways. Some of us who feel distant. Melanie will tell you about ways in which I can be distant. Some of us who feel disconnected, unable to communicate, unable to be communicated with. Some of us feel we, we just don't count. And the message of this morning is that Jesus is prepared to go out of his way to show us love. And when we celebrate communion together, which I know we're not doing this morning, we have a cup which contains wine. And we say that wine is a representation of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And what we are told is that we should drink that wine regularly so the memory of it is always close to us. And what we are exploring this morning is a realization that the finest expression of love that this world has ever seen, the wine in the cup, the bloodshed for us, the finest expression of love this world has ever seen, is God's gift for us. Amen.